All right, guys, here we go. Nordy's podcast. We are going to talk Anthony Edwards and his quest for the rookie of the year taking over the Timberwolves. We are going to talk about the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about European soccer. We're going to talk all the moves the Vikings have made. Here we go. Nordy's podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Feel fantastic, my friend. I'm superb. And you? You know, I'm doing really well, and I uh, can't wait to pod with you guys. We had a great first podcast this week. We broke down the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, which dropped. We broke down Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We gave some hot wrecks. We had all kinds of news. We drank some good beer. Great episode. Go back, check it out. Uh, should be out already. Um, and now we have another one, Sports Talk. We got Anthony Edwards to talk about, some Vikings and NFL free agent news. We got the uh, NCAA men's hockey tournament, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. The Wild are in a little bit of a funk. Things are going crazy. Can't wait to break it down. But before we do it, we need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. And also subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts and get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. Continuing for free. It's a great deal. It's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, guys, what beer are we drinking today? We're all drinking the same one, which is does not happen very often since we've gone remote. But Drecker came through, and we th- we thank Tommy for hooking us up. She swung through the cities and dropped off some Drecker for us, and we're drinking their brand new IPA, Two Right Eyes Double IPA. Um, it's a big kind of funky. Funky IPA. What do you guys think? Eight something percent. I think it's really good. I think yeah. it's incredible, actually. It doesn't taste like a lot of the Drecker beers. And um, I would say that that excites me a little bit. Uh, like a lot of different breweries, when they make something that's really good, they tend to go back to the well a lot. Um, I can think of like almost every brewery that kind of does that. And this tastes completely different than a lot of their stuff. So I think it's kind of fun stepping out of their comfort zone a little bit. And uh, I really like this one. Yeah. So I thank agree. You. Thank you, Director. Eric said it best. It's it's not silky, so it's not as high as compliment, but it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. All right, guys, <laughs> let's dive into some action here, our starting lineup. Uh, we're going to start with a place that I love, but I don't know if anybody else does, and that is Gophers hockey the bracket selection sunday was today okay what happened tell us all about it i'm gonna go through it for you guys um there's only 16 teams so we can actually kind of go through all of it and part of the reason it's going to be fun to go through all of it is because you'll realize how many of the teams are local okay yeah so the number one overall seed is our neighbors to the northwest that's the north dakota i don't know what they're called anymore the university of north dakota they're playing american international but in that group you also have michigan and Two-time defending champs, Minnesota Duluth, all right, are in one bracket. The number two overall seed was Boston College. They have Notre Dame. St. Cloud State is the three in that one, and Boston U. The number three overall seed is our Minnesota Golden Gophers. They're playing Omaha in the first round. Uh, The other side of our bracket has Minnesota State Mankato and Quinnipiac. And then uh, the final bracket, the four seed, is Wisconsin. They play Bemidji State in the first round. And then Lake Superior State and Massachusetts are in their bracket as well. So, Eric, yeah, it's the it's the state of hockey. State you, of I hockey. mean, yeah. Five teams from Minnesota made the sixteen team tournament, <laughs> and our neighbors to the to the uh, east, Wisconsin, and our neighbors to the northwest, North Dakota, made it as well. Um, pretty much, our little area has seven of the nine teams, which is pretty exciting. Well, now, when you watch this like, tournament, are you going to see a bunch of people that will soon be in the NHL? Um, probably not as much as in past years, but definitely like some really good NHL players will be in this. Like like Boldy, who is the guy who's up for the Hobie Baker, um, he's like the top prospect for the Wild now. And a lot of people think he is going to finish first or second for the Hobie Baker and that he could um, maybe even get called up to the Wild before the end of the season. So, I mean, oh, there's... Yeah. There's definitely, like, good NHL players. Um, the one thing I'll say is, like, the NHL does it kind of cool where they can draft guys and then they can go play college for up to three years. That's what I think the NBA should do. 
I think the NBA could use that more than anyone. Draft a kid right out of high school, let them go play college for three or four years, and then still be able to come be on your team when they're ready. Um, and so that's what this is. So there are some really good players. Like there'll be wild players that are playing in this tournament. Um, plenty of NHL guys will be in this tournament. Um, I don't know if it's always stars because a lot of the NHL stars come from Russia, come from different parts of Europe and Canada. Not mm-hmm. all of those guys play the college system, but like your premier American players for the most part, um, are coming through this tournament. So I do think it'll be fun and it's going to be really fun to see. Um, a Minnesota team in every bracket. There is a possibility of a Frozen Four with all Minnesota teams. An all Minnesota Frozen Four bracket would be sweet, especially if the Gophers are in it. Now, let's be serious. It will most likely be like Boston College and North Dakota and Wisconsin and anyone else I don't want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but- I'm sure you'll be paying attention. You let us know because I, I, I will probably forget all about this. It's next Saturday and Sunday is the first two games that will head to – that will bring you to the Frozen Four. The next weekend will be the the Frozen Four, the Final Four teams. So okay, exciting stuff. It's just cool to see so many Minnesota teams. And I didn't realize this, guys. I looked it up today. I believe the Gophers have only won um, five titles in their history. They've been to the tournament a record thirty six times, tied with Michigan, and they've only won the title five out of thirty six times. Uh, three of those were with Herb Brooks in the seventies. And two of them were with Don Lucia in the early 2000s. And that's it. I was shocked okay. that. I thought the Gophers hockey team had won like 20 titles. And to find out they've only won five kind of upset me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're about to add another one. Hopefully. All right. Uh, moving on. Gophers basketball. Uh, it's mostly bad news for them, except for the fact that they will be able to sign a new coach. A lot of people putting their input in. Tyus Jones was asking for like the Colorado state head coach or something like that. Um, a lot of people want it to be someone who is tied into the Minnesota um, AAU scene with a lot of really good AAU players leaving in re- recent years. Um, I know Chet, Chet Holmgren's dad was calling for the Suggs guy, who I believe is, is um, uh, what's his name? Is, it Suggs? is that the NFL player? Yeah. Terrell Suggs. Yeah. So I believe it's Terrell Suggs, his brother, who is Jalen Terrell Suggs is Jalen Suggs' uncle? If you guys know, so Jalen Suggs is going to be up for Player of the Year. He's the Gonzaga kid. Yeah, he's going to be a top five pick. He's the nephew of Terrell Suggs, the old Ravens All, all Pro um, linebacker. Where are you going with this? You give me a lot of Sugg people. Lot, the whole, I'm getting the whole fucking family yeah. tree. Let's go. I'm just telling you. So, so Terrell Suggs is going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. His nephew, yep. his nephew is Jalen sucks who's up for player of the year and he's going to be a top five Jalen Suggs' dad is like the guy who runs AAU in Minnesota okay his teammate in high school was Chet Holmgren who's the number one player in the country Chet Holmgren's dad is saying let's have the Suggs guy be the new coach of the Gophers he knows all the young guys I'd say all right Suggs can be the new coach of the Gophers if Chet Holmgren is willing to come here so Chet, who do you want? Pick your coach. <laughs> there are a lot of uh, people who are putting the, you know, uh, their name out there. I think this is going to be one of the premier jobs in the country. And uh, hopefully it will only get better because for now it's getting worse. Mashburn Jr., the, the freshman, uh, is gone. Uh, Marcus Carr, our best player, is gone. Both of them have an- uh, entered the transfer portal. Could get ugly in the short term for us. That's yeah. fine until we get a coach that until we get a coach that uh, has his own guys that he recruited enter the transfer portal and bring them here. True. So there, there, you know, there's a little bit of balance there. I'm not super heartbroken about losing Jamal Mashburn Jr. Uh, Marcus Carr for sure, but we were only going to get one more season out of him. I think he was a junior. Um, so I mean, if we're if we're going to reboot the program, which obviously is going to happen with no Richard Pitino. I'm fine with that. Like there's going to be growing pain. Same thing we went through with PJ Fleck. As long as they hire, um, the more I think about it, the more I want Musselman. Um, if that's even a possibility more than the the older coach from San Diego state. So yeah, let's do it. Let's, I let's I, hope, hopefully once the tournament ends, we'll be announcing our newest head coach. I have this feeling that we're going to go young and creative and cheap is my guess. 
I don't think the Gophers have a lot of money right now. They just uh, have spent a lot in the recent years. Pandemic hasn't been helpful to them. I think boosters. Go, boosters. Who cares? I think they're going to go creative on this, and I think they're going to go with someone who is not very well known and is young. Hate it. <laughs> Hate I it. Think, I, I think that, I like, just don't want somebody that's the son of somebody famous. That I mean, that's just that's just what we've been doing. Like, let's not try to run it back with like Richard Patino's kid, Ryan Saunders' kid. Um, oh my God! Did you see this? I would like somebody a little bit more established. I don't know. Did you guys see that Saunders was like listed as a potential yeah. candidate to coach yeah. the Golden Gophers? No, no. Uh, all I want is like. I think the number one priority for me is that Minnesota basketball for like, for like all of its existence was awful. And then now in the past, like 10 years, it's like kind of a factory of big time AAU talent that's going to the pros. That's like top of the class kind of talent. And we have yet to land a single one of them. They've all got big schools. And so to me, I think that whoever it is, has to be tied into AAU enough that they are going to be able to lure a few of these local kids into our program that maybe we're headed for big schools. Like, you can't tell me it's not an option when Cade Cunningham, number one pick in the draft for sure, picked Oklahoma State, who had no talent, and then drug them and his number one overall pick self, drug them to a five seed in the tournament. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the year before, Wiseman was the number one player. He went to Memphis. It's not like these smaller schools can't get guys. You have to be an attractive place who's connected enough to get these guys. And so I don't care who the coach is. If they can't recruit AAU right now and the current state of how things are, then I don't want them. And so I don't care if they're 70 or they're 30. I just want someone who's going to keep some of this in-state talent headed to the Gophers. Chet Holmgren, pick your coach. Head on into to Minnesota and let's do this thing for one year before you're a top five pick. Okay. I, love I know Chet is a big listener of our show, to our show. So there you go. He probably is. Hey, Chet, how you doing, man? All right. Uh, keeping with the NCAA, did you guys see this story? A uh, girl for our Oregon posted the weight room situation and oh, practice situation. Oh, bad. And the women's. This is like um, – like I understand that when when it comes to sports, uh, that people calling for quality are forgetting the fact that um, a lot of the men's sports are watched a lot more than a lot of the women's sports, and so the equal pay thing is kind of difficult when one one set of teams is making no money and the other is making a lot of money, and so as much as I love equality or equity, um, I I understand that finances dictate who gets paid more and who doesn't. The situation that we've talked about a million times where this doesn't work is like more people watch the women's soccer team and go to their games than the men's. And so it probably should work in the reverse when it comes to our U.S. women's national team for soccer. Yeah. But this is something that the NCAA just can't do. They literally built an amazing workout for the men's teams. And they gave the women's team, I would assume, like a 57-year-old mom trying to get back into shape would buy for herself. Yeah. What, it, was it was like one, one, one rack of, of dumbbells. Of little dumbbells. And then a stack of yoga mats. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Yeah. And then they didn't handle it well. So they respond with, well, you don't understand. There isn't a lot of room there. And it's just like we did the best. And, and then like the woman, the, the, the female athlete that goes down, and she's like, Oh, they said there wasn't enough room. Well, let's take a tour of the whole space. There's like a court on one side and the other side is just empty. It's huge. Well, and what was also even worse about it was that the NCAA had planned on expanding their workout facilities when it came to the Sweet 16. So they're like, we had this in the plans. We just we couldn't get it done in time for whatever bullshit reason they gave. And we were going to do it when they reached the Sweet 16. But then miraculously, after all of this public outcry, they were able to get it completely done beforehand. Um, And so, like, the NCAA not only, like, screwed the pooch on the initial setting up and, like, public visibility into this, but then also made one of the worst excuses possible, which was, well, we were going to do it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it was like, oh, I was going to turn him in homework, but I just, I didn't. And I'll do it soon. Yeah. And your teacher's like, yeah, but why didn't you just do it initially? And then like the, the food and like the gift packs, you know, that all the players get was just like symbolically uh, terrible in comparison to. So uh, the NCA is all out of excuses on this. Yep. Yeah. Not a good look. Come on, guys. Seriously. Try a little bit. 2021. All right, guys. So moving on. Next up is uh, we're going to the world of boxing where we don't go a lot. And uh, that's because two of the big names in the sport, Tyson, the Gypsy King, Fury, the heavyweight champion of the world um, from Manchester, England, is going to take on Anthony Joshua, um, another uh, British fighter who I can't I can't believe it. (laughs) <laughs> well, the big thing is that they signed a massive two-fight deal. So this is going to be worth like $100 million a piece or something for them. I mean, this is the biggest fight that can be put on. Um, they're two of the best in the world, two of the big names. They decided to fight a two-fight uh, series, maybe three, if the money is right. Does this move the needle for you guys even a millimeter? Uh, who did he fight before? Um, Devontae Wilder or something like that? Yeah. Yes. And that was a lot of fun. I actually watched that. That was that was a fun fight. So, like, I guess here's the thing. It has to be a really, really exciting real fight or a celebrity fight. And then I, I'm interested a little bit. This is not as good as the celebrity fight. Like, I want to see Lamar Odom destroy Aaron Carter. And then this would be second billing to me. <laughs> if, 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 uh, Odom versus Carter was the main event and Fury versus Joshua was the co-main event, I would pay $60. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Watford's own Anthony Joshua, uh, who is 24 and one versus Tyson, the gypsy King uh, Fury, who is, I don't know. I think he's undefeated. He's He's like 30, 30 and one. And he's older. He's 32 years old. Oh, jeez. Fuck, he looks old. He's not that old. And Anthony Joshua is 31 years old. So this is the matchup everyone's wanted to see. The two best fighters in Europe. um, The two best heavyweights in the world, most likely. I think Fury beats his ass. Fury is, like, so awkward looking and, like, has such a weird body. But he's the Gypsy King. And there's never been a greater nickname in all sports. So The only thing I will say is, the only thing I will say is, like, heavyweight... Oh, sorry, Jimbo. Go ahead. I was just going to comment. Yeah, he's weird. I mean, I, I kind of want to support him, but he's a little strange. I mean, his, like, the licking of the blood stuff was weird. Didn't get down with any of that. The only thing I'll say is, like, as as romanticized as the weight class is, heavyweight boxing fights tend to be incredibly boring. Because it's just these big lumbering giants that aren't fast. They they all they both have long reaches. They get tired so quickly that there's tons of like grasping, and it's just a lot of like hey 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 you know the ref like break it up break it up fight move, you know move aside, and, it's move like, aside. and it's just like oh my god these these guys that are and and I'm not saying they're not in incredible shape because they obviously are most of the time. But everyone wants it to be Mike Tyson. And a lot of the times what you get is like feels like celebrity boxing where they they seem unskilled because they're so big and so kind of slow. But like you're you're not gonna get you're not getting Muhammad Ali versus Frazier, you know what I mean? Like anymore. That's just not the way it works. So that's the only reason I'm not excited for like a big heavyweight fight, despite the hype surrounding it because they tend to be kind of boring i mean these are giant men uh joshua is six six and fury's six nine so these are huge monsters and i the only thing that makes me feel better about it is like when i think about it if everyone in the world was in like a boxing tournament like these guys would probably be in the final four for sure like like everyone could talk all they want about canelo or floyd mayweather but like yeah they couldn't beat Fury, they couldn't. They'd hit him eight million times. They have half his power. He connects with them one time. They're just dead. What so, about what about like Jet Li? 
Give me, give me Jet Li. <laughs> well, now you're talking more. You now, we're, now we're making Mortal Kombat movies, Jim. Like, <laughs> All right, guys. Finally, uh, Andy Dalton is set to be the, the quarterback of the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> The Red Rocket has landed. It is touchdown in Chicago. Oh, I just love it. The Bears have been so mismanaged for eternity. Um, they're just – they're an absolute mess always. They never have a quarterback. They haven't really ever had a quarterback, I don't think, in the history of their team. Um, I don't think there's ever been a prouder franchise who has had less success uh, at the most important position than the Bears. And has so, been their best quarterback ever. Jim McMahon and Jay Cutler. Oh wow! Okay. I'm not, like I'm sure some Bears fan will argue with me on that, but like for real, they have not had any good quarterbacks. No, they haven't, and they've tried. They've tried a thousand times. They offered three first round picks and two starters to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks said hell no. Huh. So yeah, they got Andy Dalton. Um, Better or worse than Mitch Trubisky? Better, but but that's oh, not. Are they thing. going to be better or worse than last year? Because they were a problem for us last year. They're always a problem for us, just with how they're constructed. Like they're like a big, huge, physical team, and that kind of always gives us a hard time. Um, I. Uh, they lost their best quarterback due I, to cap casualties. Be, I think they're going to be bad, like mm-hmm. really bad. And I think the Lions are going to be worse. The only thing that worries me is that uh, Andy Dalton kind of uh, <laughs> kind of put one on us with well, Dallas. We'll get to some talk in a little bit. Before we do, it's time to move on to topic A this week. And very rarely did they get to be topic A, but this week topic A is the Minnesota Timberwolves because they're back. They're, back. they're so good. They're legendary. They're, they're going to the playoffs this year. Uh, I, I'm predicting a Western Conference appearance next year. And finals in three. Let's go. I'm expecting them just to win the title this year, next year, and the year after. That's that's what you should be getting. That, that, see, that's the hype train we're talking about. So here's what I will say. If <clears throat> sorry guys, if if uh if they somehow end up with one of these top three picks and they don't have to give up their pick, and they get to go get the big guy from USC, they go get to go get um, Jalen Suggs, they go get, get Cade Cunningham, you know, they get one of these big pieces. Then you have, you probably have to move somebody. Maybe it's D'Lo, maybe it's Beasley. Um, but you have Towns, you have Edwards, you have D'Lo, you have draft pick in the top three, you have Beasley, you have Rubio, you have McDaniels. I mean, you have a lot of pieces suddenly. And like mm-hmm. that, that team actually has the pieces to go make a trade with a few of those with a few of those assets to go get one more piece and kind of fill this roster out. And what's crazy is you didn't mention Jarrett Culver, Josh Okogi, Nas Reed. Yeah. All guys that like had Can success continue. under Saunders and they just don't really they're not they're not good enough. I just think that this team is um one more lucky draft away from being uh, an actual contender and a contender that could probably move one of their big players. And I don't know if this team, uh, we talked about it last week that this is no longer Towns' team. This is Anthony's yeah. team. Yep. I don't know if they are, they're, they're already, they're already talking about like from a marketing standpoint, the ant colony in target center. That's really dumb, but okay. Edwards is a big deal. Yeah, I would love to. I want to <laughs> rewind the podcast to when Eric was like ready to cut Anthony Edwards from the team, and I said, "Dude, he's a rookie. Be patient. He played like 19 games last season. He's got the athleticism. That. He's yeah. the team is a dysfunctional shit show under Saunders. We don't know if anybody is good or bad. Maybe they're playing better now that you know. And um, since we've gotten a new coach." And since the All Star break, they've totally switched up the lines. People are getting more minutes or fewer minutes. It's a different team, guys. Let me give you Edwards' stats pre and post All Star game. Okay, please. So yep. Small sample size: thirty six games pre All Star game, six games post All Star game. Okay, he's went up from twenty nine to thirty six minutes, so he's playing seven more minutes a game. He is shooting over seven percent better, up to forty four point four percent. 
He is shooting almost 9% better on three, up to about 39% on three. That's so good. More than double the free throws, up to five and a half free throws a game. His rebounds have gone up by over two rebounds a game. His assists have gone up a little bit. His blocks have stayed the same. His steals have gone up by almost a steal a game. He's more, he is turning it over more with the higher usage rate. But here's the big one. His points have gone from 14.9 to 27.3. Jesus. Wow. I mean, he he's is, not taking that many more. What is he taking? Eight more shots per game or something? He's just has the ball all the time. He's a, he's yep. a huge piece suddenly. And, I mean, since the All-Star game, his numbers are, um, let's see, he has gone for 27, 21, 34, 29, 42, and he only had 11 in the last game, but he had 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Mm-hmm. So he actually kind of struggled in the last game. Um, but before that, I mean, 27, 21, 34, 29, 42, broke his career high twice, He's the third youngest player to ever score 40 points in a game behind only LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Pretty good company. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Um, he looks great, and he, he plays with a bunch of energy. He can score at any time. He can shoot it. Like you said, he's shooting 39%, so you have to guard him up close. And if you get too close to him, he'll spin around you and just absolutely – hammer a dunk that just like makes ESPN's top 10 every time he is so fun to watch and he's efficient too. It's not like he's like, Oh, D'Lo got 40 points tonight. That's amazing. Well, how many times did he shoot? Oh, all of them. And we lost, you know what I mean? This is, he's efficient. Uh, yeah, I think, and that's the biggest piece until this last game where he had seven turnovers, he has been turning the ball over less. He has been, uh, shooting at a much higher percent. He's been finishing around the hoop. His three has been great. I think the most important thing is that he can create his own shot and wants to create his own shot late in games. And that is something that we have not had ever on the Timberwolves because as great as Garnett is, you know, probably top 20 player all time, as decent as Towns has been, um, you know, one of the 20 best players in the league right now, uh, Mm -hmm. neither of those guys play a position that's like create your shot off the dribble late in games and take games over. Not in the modern game. Not in the modern game anyway. Yeah. We've never had that player. And so having a guy right now who can just do whatever and get to the rim at any point, who can shoot the ball, who wants the ball in his hands late in games, uh, as as his passing and playmaking becomes better, he could be a serious, serious weapon. Yeah. And he's so unbelievably, like, it's almost, uh, what's the word, like, sneakily athletic because you don't realize he has the quickness he's got the chops to like step back he can kind of cross you up he he's got he's got all the moves in the repertoire like as a super young kid and Mm -hmm. so if he can hone some of these skills to be a playmaker like eric saying like when the double comes you know exactly where the ball needs to go you know kind of situation he's going to be an absolute force in the NBA. I think the the thing that he can do to separate himself from Wiggins is if he could be more Harden and less Wiggins, um, that's how you become a star. Uh, It's, it's getting to the free throw line is how you average 30 points a game. And Mm -hmm. his free throws going from 2.4 to 5.5 attempts per game is still not high enough. It shows that he's a rookie. It shows he's a kid. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's going to quickly find out, that he can just go to the rim all day and just go to the free throw line over and over and over and over and over and over. Yep. Yeah, he's either going to finish or he's going to get fouled. And maybe sometimes he finishes and gets fouled. Wait, you know, that's I, that's so he important. No. Nope. He never did. He would drive in. If somebody was even near the lane, he would kick it back out right away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, you know how I get down. And so I am like, it's the Timberwolves are must-watch again. Because they're building towards something. So even if they don't win, and maybe it's best that they don't win a lot of games, um, it's still fun to see this development and to see real progress. And there was a time, you know, a month and a half ago, when I was like, what's the point of the entire, what's the point of the franchise? Even if they get the overall pick, they're a bad team. They, you know, there's nobody that can contribute here. And now I'm thinking, dude, we'll be, we might be pretty good next year, even without adding 
a really high draft pick. You know, just with development and getting Beasley back, don't know what's going to happen with D'Lo. But I guess, you know, it's a, I guess it's a good problem to have. But the dude is like, he just needs the ball all the time. And he's Mr. Inefficient. He's Mr. Like high volume shooter. And that's why he gets at some point, you know, that's, we don't, we don't need him right now doing that. Boy, have we turned our opinions on him. Ah, I love it. He's, I know. D'Lo's fucking sucks, dude. He's coming in as the absolute number three guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Three guy. And I actually think that the pairing of Edwards and Rubio is going to be much better than the Edwards and D'Lo pairing. Yeah. I mean, I don't like Rubio on the team. I wish he hadn't come. But I have, apparently, he's like this great mentor. Um, and when you have somebody that's, that is now shooting a lot, it does take the, the pressure off Rubio a little bit to well, Rubio doesn't much be a zero scoring threat. Although he shot a little better from, from three and stuff. So, but Rubio is a good defender. He's a plus defender. He's a mm-hmm. playmaker who wants to move the ball and get other people open. D'Lo wants to shoot all the time. So mm-hmm. how's that backcourt going to work? D'Lo and Edwards? Both of them are not going to be great defenders. Edwards is slightly – he's an average defender maybe, maybe a little below. Dilo is like an absolutely trash defender. I just mm-hmm. don't really know how those two fit together. I have a feeling Dilo is gone in the offseason. I'd hope so. I hope so. Fine. I mean, let's see. Let's see what the team looks like when he comes back. But The team to me should be how do we make Anthony Edwards into one of the five best players in the NBA? Yeah, all That's, resources, all attention goes if, there. If if we don't think Towns and him go well together, then I'm starting to shop Towns because yeah. <laughs> there's no one on the team who is untouchable. If you play well with Edwards, then you get to stay, and if you don't, then I think <laughs> I'm ready to move on from you. Yeah, yeah. Right. The other piece of this is Lamelo Ball. I, you know, we don't vote for injuries here, so it sucks to see a good player go down. The Ball family has been, you know, a bunch of assholes. But in reality, LaMelo has never done anything, um, you know, harmful at all. You can't really punish him for the sins of the father, right? So uh, mm-hmm. he's been really good. He's completely transformed uh, that Charlotte team along with Gordon Hayward. And he is out for the year, it looks like, which is a shame. They're in playoff contention. Middle of the pack team Eastern Conference breaks his wrist, probably ending his uh, campaign for um, – rookie of the year and leaving it to be Edwards to be lost. And Uh, and speaking selfishly, just from a content standpoint, it would have been great fodder to debate this throughout the entirety of the year. Like, Mm -hmm. especially with sort of ants resurgence into the conversation to say like, you know, we passed on LaMelo, should we have taken him? Um, And then who's going to be rookie of the year? And I think, you know, this sort of ends that discussion um, I mean, even if he comes back late in the season, it's, it's not going to matter for rookie of the year voting. James Wiseman's been sent to the bench. I don't think there's anybody else that's really even close. Um, so uh, s- selfishly, from the Nordies podcast perspective, this really sucks. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And I, I do think that if Edwards continues this, which we now have seen a down game as well, so we don't know for sure what it's going to look like. But if he continues averaging – 27, then he would have won it even if LaMelo was healthy. I think that he could have spun it far enough the other direction to, to overtake LaMelo. Now it's just, it's pretty much, he should have it as a lock. I mean, if he continues playing even 80% of what he's been doing, it should be right. it. So, yeah. Right. Uh, I, I think he's going to get better, but we'll see. All right, we will move on to the Vikings. So they made a couple big splashes. While we were recording last week, they signed Delvin Tomlinson, the nose tackle from the Giants. They've said they feel like Delvin Tomlinson can play three-tech. So for those of you guys who don't really understand how it works in the NFL and in football, for the most part, if you play a forefront, so two defensive tackles, two defensive ends, like a lot of teams like the Vikings do, um, the nose tackle usually plays over the the center. It's usually your biggest and best run defender. Michael Pierce is going to be that guy on our team, even though he's the second highest paid nose tackle on our team now. Uh, The three technique guy is usually shaded to the strong side of the play, like the tight end side of the play or whatever a team wants to do. He's usually off the guard. 
um, and even sometimes as wide as uh, uh, between the guard and the tackle, depending on what kind of situation it is. So Delvin Tomlinson has played nose tackle, like right in the middle as a big run stuffer. And now we're going to pair him with another guy kind of like him, uh, $12 million a year. I'm not saying the Vikings don't know what they're doing, but I would say that the the experts around the league are a little confused. Um, they don't really know why they did this move. Um, I thought it was slightly confusing. They obviously really want to stuff the run this year and be really big on the inside, but it could come at a cost because it usually means that your pass rush isn't as good. Especially on certain downs. Yeah, it, it seems a little weird. However, Dalvin Tomlinson is a large human being. And I mean humongous. And I don't mean like fat. Like he is a large physical specimen. And so I'm. my initial thought was they signed him to draw double teams, maybe up the middle a little bit, and maybe Zimmer's got some creative ideas. Um, to get him sort of pushing the middle of the offensive line back so that you leave some of your outside rushers uh, one-on-one. That, that, that's my only – obviously, yes, to stop the run because that's their M.O. Um, for Pierce and Tomlinson. But I'm, I'm wondering if it's just more of a uh, let's see if we can get teams to focus a little bit more on plugging up the middle and we get to leave our, our best athletes, our best rushers on the outside maybe singled up. Well, usually that, – that, That's the only thing I can think of. So here's the thing, though. So Delvin Tomlinson is listed at 6'3", 318, so he's a giant man. Uh, Michael Pierce is listed at six foot three forty five, so an extra 27 pounds on Delvin Tomlinson. Um, the two of them should take up both all three of your interior guys. One of those two will get double-teamed. You know, the only question is, like, can one of those guys create some kind of pass rush? And neither of them really have a history of doing that. And so usually you play like a, your Aaron Donald type guy at that three tech where they're great against the run, but also they are the pressure up the middle. And so we need Delvin Tomlinson to be that. But the bigger news was they signed um, veteran cornerback Patrick Peterson. And people in Minnesota are really excited about this. Um I think I thought this was a really iffy move. Like I thought this was a really weird move for the Vikings. Um, I know he's a huge name, uh, but he's definitely on the decline. I mean, there's just no one who can tell you differently. I know he's been a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. It's going to be great to have experience in this team. But this is a team that is down a safety. This is a team that still doesn't have a second pass rusher. This is a team that cut one of its starting linemen from a terrible line and hasn't replaced them. And so they're missing at least two linemen still. And we spent $10 million of about $14 million of cap space on an aging cornerback when we have all these holes. And the money that we have left currently has to go to our rookie class. So it's making it so our rookie class has to, like, fill holes instead of just taking good players. And so I just – I thought this was a really questionable move. Um I like Peterson, and it's fun to have a big game like that, but he is not the same player. Um, for his whole career, uh, he was um, like in the top 10% for man coverage, and last year he was in the 16th percentile for man coverage. Uh, oh, wow. He's, he, you know, we play a lot of zone, and so playing a lot of like cover two and a lot of zone and a lot of um, the man that they play on the outside is a lot of help over the top with the two high safeties which is maybe going to be good for him. But he also hasn't been that successful playing any kind of zone <laughs> in his career either. And so you're also, assume, you're also assuming we have a second safety. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually kind of think that there's a chance that this move was to play him as a safety and that they're going to bring in another versatile kind of safety who is kind of a corner safety and they could play slot corner they could play safety. They kind of move around and that you could use these guys in a couple different roles. Um, some guys that are, are D backs have transitioned from corner to safety with real success in their career. And so I think that that is something that we should be looking out for that. Maybe Peterson is going to be another weapon 
across from Harrison where maybe his athleticism isn't going to be as important and his instincts and his knowledge are going to be. And so, I don't know. I just think it was a really curious move. I don't want to say bad move, um, but I thought it was very strange. I don't think he's going to play safety, honestly. I, I get what you're saying. It makes perfect sense. But I think he's brought in for his like football acumen. And I, I realize $10 million is a lot to, to have your, your coach on the field, you know, type of corner. Um, I wonder if Zimmer is hoping Peterson will be a mentor coach um, to the younger corners in Gladney and the other guy and maybe Hughes, if he, if he can not get hurt in week three. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to play safety. I think they they might look to the rookie class for that or uh, practice squad guys uh, from other teams to, to come in and play. Um, I would love to see a Patrick Peterson resurgence, right? He gets hooked up to the rejuvenation machine. He's motivated. He feels like he's on a Super Bowl contender, uh, maybe changes his game a little bit, drops some weight, does, does whatever he needs to do. Um, he's out of Arizona um and has a fresh start so um there it's it's not unheard of that there are still older cornerbacks that could be successful um especially in a uh like you said a zone a, a more zone heavy scheme like zimmers uh but yes i agree it was an extremely curious move to spend that much money on one 31 year old cornerback that is but for all intents and purposes, passes prime. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's bad. Like I, I saw it come across the ticker and I was like, well, that's exciting. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm concerned. I listened to the PFF podcast. Um, Sam Munson is one of the main guys on PFF. He's also a big Vikings fan. You might know him. He's a guy with a big British accent and uh, one of the top minds in football right now. And he loves the Vikings. And he described it as he has no idea what the Vikings are doing and that the Viking strategy of team building is like trying to put out a forest fire, but you don't have the proper supplies. So you put out a fire over here, but then another fire starts somewhere else, and then you run to that fire, and then a fire starts somewhere else, and then you run to that fire forever. And he's like, they're just constantly trying to fill holes with guys who aren't good enough or guys who are too old or guys who don't fit, and then they're just neglecting other fires that are happening. And he's like, eventually the whole forest is going to burn down. And that's coming from a guy who loves the Vikings. So interesting. I'm just a little, I'm a little worried about where they're going. We all said offensive line was a priority, and what they've done this offseason with their offensive line is cut Riley Reef. Yep. And lost Pat, and lost Pat Elfline. Yeah, if they if they if they don't do anything to the offensive line, and I said this months ago, the whole season is moot. Like I I, I have no interest. I I will not ever consider the Vikings to be contenders for anything. Not, not Super Bowl, let alone the NFC North. If they don't address their issues on the offensive line, yeah, it's as simple. It's as simple as that. There, you can't just be like, "Well, we're going to plug Ezra Cleveland in at left tackle." Okay, yeah, he played there in college. He played guard last year. Uh, we're going to Brian O'Neill play. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we brought back. We're going to bring back so and so. Okay, well he wasn't good when he was here the last time. Like uh, I just Dakota Dozier is going to be our starting left guard. Okay. Well then we're fucked. Like the whole season, just, <laughs> just don't even, we don't even play. Like what's the point? We're in the lions. Would I rather have had Patrick Peterson or two veteran O linemen? I would have rather had two veteran O linemen. I would have rather, even if it meant we had to draft another goddamn cornerback in the first round, I would have <laughs> rather done that and had two veteran O linemen to fill two big time needs than to do this where we're like, well, we drafted a bunch of rookie corners that are kind of promising and we are going to uh, bring in Patrick Peterson and that O-line, who cares? We'll just let Kirk take heat all day, every day. It's a disaster. Mm. <laughs> all right. Um, the NFL has been kind of boring this this year uh, with the free agency because of the you know massive decline in the salary cap. A couple of guys have moved around, but overall uh, not too much has happened. So we'll come back, talk more Vikings with you guys in the next few weeks leading into the draft and kind of where they need to go. 
Um, but I do want to get a couple other things before we get out of here. Uh, NCAA tournament. Have you guys been watching this? Is this something you care about? And has the basketball been quality in your opinion? I want oh, Ryan nice to take load. this first. You're a big, nice. you're a huge guy in the tournament. Love it. Nice loaded question, Eric. Oh, <laughs> has the basketball been quality? Define quality. No. Um, I think it's been fun because uh, there's been a ton of upsets. And I know Eric hates that. But I love when uh, Loyola Chicago destroys Illinois in the second round when they shouldn't win because they're a better team and they're better coached. And it's not just a bunch of guys going one-on-one. I love when uh, Oral Roberts as a 15 seed wins two games and makes it to the sweet 16, um, mostly for the oral jokes, because that's incredible for our podcast and content. (laughs) I love the fact that they've been able to figure out a way to do uh, outside of Virginia Commonwealth VCU who got bounced for failing to have, (laughs) have five guys test negative on their entire roster uh, for COVID. Uh, They've done a pretty good job of bubbling the kids and, and making sure that the tournament's going to go on as scheduled. So I'm having been absent for almost two years. I'm happy to have the tournament back and I love it. Yeah. And did you go crazy with the the brackets? How many how many did you do? I ended up only filling out five. Wow, that's pretty good for you, man. And and a Calcutta draft. I did one. Um, you know, it's fucked. I think I'm in like fifty fifth percentile. So right right where I like to be, nice and safe. Yeah, right in the right in the meaty part of the curve. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You you and me are riding the same wave there. We're we're not over here on the on the downside of the bell, but we're right here at the top where everyone else is. I'm happy there. I still got a chance, man. I still got a chance. Uh, Eric, are you just crank, cranky? Let's I'm cut not, to Eric. I, I just I don't I don't really pay attention to it because I don't I don't really care. Um, I, I guess my my main thing is like when I watch college football, I feel like I'm watching the future of the NFL, and when I watch college basketball. I feel like I'm watching the future of the G League. You know, like it just You're watching the future of uh Luther Brookdale Ford dealership. I mean <laughs> these guys aren't aren't even gonna necessarily all go play professionally. True. They're um, gonna go sell cars. So like my point here is like when you look at um the college football playoffs this year, right? It had uh Clemson, right? Trevor Lawrence is gonna be the number one pick. He was their quarterback. It had Ohio State. Justin Fields was their quarterback. They played for the national championship. They could be the top two picks. It had um, uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback of Alabama. He won the national title. He's going to be a first-round pick. It had Patrick Sertain Jr., the cornerback. He could be a top-10 pick in the draft. You know, it has all of these guys who are, like, big-time players. It had uh, Devonta Smith, uh, Najee Harris, um, you know, Alex Leatherwood, Jalen Weddle. Like all these guys who are going to be in the first round, who are going to be impact players in the NFL next year and for years to come, like big time guys. Uh, and you get to watch them duke it out in college and it feels really important. And because of how college basketball and the NBA, it's the NBA's fault, by the way, the NBA with the one and done thing has, has created this problem. The NBA has kind of slowly killed college basketball. Um, and so they've just made it. So it's a bunch of meaningless players who supposedly love their team so much, and that's why we like them, just hucking up threes. And, like, the quality is just is pretty bad uh, compared to the NBA. I love the NBA. I think the NBA game is amazing. It's so fast-paced. The guys are such good shooters. Um, we pretend they're bad defenders, but in reality, um, watch a six-foot-nine guy sprint out at someone on a three. It's impossible to shoot a three when that's happening. I mean, these guys are incredible. I love the NBA. I think college basketball is pretty trash. And as fun as upsets are, um, I like upsets, but I do want to see the best teams duke it out for the title. You know, in college football, I don't want to watch Northwestern play for the title against, you know, Texas A&M because they upset a bunch of people. Like, I want to see the best in the world. But what about, what, about when, what about when Butler plays Duke in the final and loses by two and plays them, like, stride for stride and the only reason they lost was like the guy that shot up the last minute three, it banked and hit off the rim and the backboard and went out. Like it, 
like I don't I don't see how you can't say that those weren't the two best teams duking it out at that point. Um, okay, so I love that example. I do. I love it. That was a beautiful example, Barter, uh, showing your true sports your sports knowledge here. Um, Butler was a five seed. So they obviously weren't the best team, but I will just say um, it's a little hard to act like that's the norm because they did have Gordon Hayward, who's one of the you know top twenty five players in the world. And they did have Brad Stevens as their coach, who was like one of the five best coaches in the world. Yeah, so they had one, a good coach and one good player. But like everyone else was – all of the Duke players are all blue chippers. I totally agree. It is a great example for your argument. I do like it a lot. And I was I was desperately cheering for, for Butler in that scenario. And of I, course. And I do think that's a time, though, when I cared about college basketball more. But I also think there was just like more pro players were in college basketball. And they're like – I think that the the other thing that's killed college basketball is like it's like being killed from both sides. The NBA has killed it because the NBA has opened up the G League to kids right out of high school. These foreign teams now have made it so you can come there and make a bunch of money playing in a professional league with a bunch of grown men instead of going to college where you can't make money. And then in college, the other thing is, is AAU has been so fucking corrupt and sketchy that they've made all of these sneaky deals with college programs uh, and shoe companies. And so what's happened is they've like filtered kids into these specific weird programs. And these guys who know they're going to the pros would rather be the only good player on a bad team than be another piece on a championship team. And for every Zion, there's like 20 guys who are going to go to Memphis, who are going to go to to Missouri, you know, who are like a lot of these top guys go to really weird schools. And so what ends up happening is a bunch of your top picks in the draft have scored 26 points a game on some just horseshit team that didn't even make the tournament. Just speaking from a local example, that's the Chris Humphreys path. Yeah, the Chris Humphreys path. Literally, literally, he he had zero – like, he didn't get offers from other places. He had zero intention of, like, building a championship team at Minnesota. He was one and done. He dominated and was out as quickly as he possibly could be. He wasn't worried about passing the damn ball either. So, yeah, no, that's a great example as well. It's not that I hate the NCAA tournament. Everyone's like, how could you not like a great game? It's like, I like a great game in any sport. You know, I could watch a great game and a great tennis match and I'd be really excited about it. But I just think that like, it's, it's overrated. And I guess, um, I guess I need to understand that other people understand that it's overrated and they just enjoy the excitement and the novelty of it anyways. And so I guess I should just get off my high horse and let people enjoy it. But overall, I just think the quality is pretty bad. Yeah, that- just relax. Just relax that's a little bit. At least, at least you're not calling them mutants. Like, I think yeah. that's, that, that's one positive <laughs> step. They're not mutants, but, but they just, it just, it's like, I can't stand when they're like, oh, the guys just care more. Look at these guys with their, with their jump shots, five feet inside the three point line. You know, it's just like, we love to talk about how like, hardworking white kids care more than like <laughs> like I fucking can't handle that anymore they play for the name on the front and not the name on the back I'm like they would fucking leave this shit for the NBA in a millisecond if they had the choice <laughs> do not tell me that they would stick around right. uh, no that that makes sense the, the choice has been made for them <laughs> the choice like, in that regard like, oh yeah they they are doing everything they can to keep the dream alive. There is no other path for them. So, all right, guys, we got to finish it up with the last thing: our Europe draws, yeah, European draws, uh, in soccer. Um, so we had the Champions League draw, which is the main tournament. It's the best in the world. Uh, most of the best teams in the world have made it this far. True dominance um, from England, though, uh, in these tournaments overall shows that the Premier League is the Premier League in the world. Um, and so here we go. Oh, whoa, whoa, Except for one team, one English team that fell slightly short. The Tottenham Hotspur absolutely fumbled it like they always do. They Shit call, the bed. They call it Spursy <laughs> in England, and they are nothing but Spursy, as they went uh, to Dinamo Zagreb with a 2 nothing lead and proceeded to give up a hat trick of goals and get knocked out against a team that they had a supposed 95% chance of beating. Dinamo Zakarev. I don't even know what the hell that is, and that's so funny. That means yeah, I'm sure they are. 
So here's your, your draw. Um, the draw was uh, pretty exciting. And these matchups, for the most part, are, are very exciting. Um, you have Manchester City, who is the favorite to win the whole thing, playing against the, I think, fourth or fifth place team now in the Bundesliga, Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, one of the one of the great franchises in, in European soccer, probably the second biggest franchise in Germany, but they have uh, struggled a bit this year. Now, they have enough talent to hang around, but I just think that Man City is an absolute buzzsaw and is going to cut their heads off. And Dortmund is on, like, their third coach in, like, four seasons or five seasons or something like that. Like, they just – they can't figure it out. And they've already – have to assume City. They've already also hired next year's coach already. Yeah. Rose mm-hmm. is going to be their coach next year, and he already knows that, but he's not coming on until next year. Okay. Um, very bizarre. The next matchup is – I'm not saying this because it's Barter's team. If I was Barter, I'd be very excited, but this is a dud matchup. Porto versus Chelsea is the least exciting one. Now, that's fine, because I'm sure least exciting is exactly what Ryan Barter and the Chelsea Blues... Well, if I, had, if I had my druthers to draw Porto or PSG or Bayern Munich or mm-hmm. Dortmund or Real Madrid or Liverpool, uh, I'll take Porto. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm just saying, as a, as a fan of the sport, this is a draw that interests me very little. Fair enough. Chelsea could, should... Could, couldn't agree more. Porto, I don't think, is even going to be close. I think what's happening here is you're seeing that outside of Spurs, the English teams are really um, showing their dominance across Europe, and I think it will continue here. I think City beats Dortmund. I think Chelsea beats Porto badly, and both of those teams end up in the final four teams. Well, we don't beat anybody badly, but we'll win 2 nothing uh, on aggregate. <laughs> the next draw is Real Madrid versus Liverpool. So Liverpool is what the... Uh, champs of two years ago, and uh, the defending uh, champs of, of England, they are having a really tough year, mostly led by injuries, um, which has yeah. really killed them. Uh, but yeah. they're also just not not the same team that they were uh, the last few years. They're playing a Real Madrid team who also is not really the same. They spent all their money on Eden Hazard, who literally can't stand the field for more than like a game at a time, and nope. uh, funded a revolution at Chelsea. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I think this one's close. I think I'm going to pick Liverpool. I think Liverpool moves forward. They've played pretty well in these tournaments, better than obviously in the English Premier League. Yeah, I think I think uh, Klopp's and the team's sights are not set on anything domestic, like in, in terms of like winning those games, and are strictly focused on Champions League. And I don't blame them. Like. At some point, they're going to have to like reconcile the fact that they're likely not going to make top four. Right. Um, so their only path to that is to win the Champions League. Um, but like their defense is so symbolic that if they came up against like a Bayern team on fire in the final, they'd just get destroyed. But mm-hmm. against a down and out Real Madrid team that you know they sold Gareth Bale uh, to Spurs. Uh, Ed Nazard can't stay on the pitch. They've got a, tons of old dudes. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, obviously Ronaldo's gone. I think if this was a year to beat Real Madrid in the quarterfinals, it's very gettable for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I'm picking them. I'm picking Liverpool too. That's that's three of three Premier League teams that I've picked. Mm-hmm. I think that's I true. And then, so there's uh, a good there's a good chance that only one of them makes it through, and it's going to be City, right? I mean that's what, that's that's what we're looking at. And then I no. think the premier matchup of this whole thing is uh, Germany's Bayern Munich. I'm sorry versus uh, uh, France's Paris Saint Germain. Uh, this is a rematch. Tough of draw last, for those teams. This is a rematch of last year's final where mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bayern Munich won one nothing. Kingsley Coleman scored the only goal in the 59th minute. It was a really boring game. Uh, it was never very close as uh, Munich really just put on a, a professional performance and kind of dominated a one nothing. Um, there were a few chances from PSG, but overall it was mostly uh, Munich. It will be more of the same. Munich and City, I think, are a class ahead of everybody else this year. So here's the question then. When we look at we, – we assume that – okay, we have our four going through. Who's going to win – Okay, I think Chelsea, Chelsea and Liverpool. That's a great match. That will be fun. Great I hope match. that happens. That would be incredible. Great match. Um, 
can't say who's going to win. I think Chelsea is playing better now, so maybe them. But um, okay, so tell me who's going to win? Is it going to be City or Bayern? That would be a massive matchup. There's your championship right there. That's that's the biggest bummer to me. Um, a lot of the talk has been about seeding the tournaments in the future, and I don't want to seed the tournament, but I do wish that they would just seed the top two teams on either side. Like, I just wish that no matter what they ended up with, that Munich was on one side and and City was on the other. Because so are you, are, Wait, but what are you basing that on? Um, I think they were basing it on the UEFA coefficient. Sure. Okay. The five-year history of your team. So but then it, that would just that would just turn into like the NCAA football uh, power rankings, where it's all skewed towards SEC teams. Um, it would just that's be- true. But in that, they're they're picking they're picking who gets to even be in it. In this, they would just be saying, "Oh, okay, out of the teams here, this one's on this side, this one's on this side." It wouldn't change it. You just can't. Well, and the first you, you like you're you still get a random draw you could still draw the third best team but, but just, those two teams are going to draw each other you're just not going to draw yeah. each other you're just going to be on opposite sides just just so there's a better chance that the people get the i mean i know i know james wants liverpool to make the final and ryan wants chelsea to make the final but if you knew that those teams weren't going to make the final we all would be super pumped to watch city versus munich it would be an absolute war of the best two teams on the planet and as much as I don't really like either of those teams, I really want to watch them play against each other. And so mm-hmm. it will suck that one of them has you, to you get to watch them in the semifinal. Yeah, sounds good. For sure. Yeah. I, I just think that and, like... And you get to watch them in the semifinal twice. True. True. I, I just think like I, I would love to see them duke it out for the whole thing. But who knows? You know, maybe maybe Chelsea, Liverpool, Madrid, one of those teams, PSG even, will, will, will surprise everyone. So I think the I think some of the best moments come from the the draws that are like where you like let's just take City and Bayern and let's say City goes in and and wins two nothing at Bayern in the first leg. Uh, how much more exciting is the matchup coming back to the Etihad with Bayern needing to score three away goals to advance? Dude, just like a three to advance. <laughs> I mean, just insane, right? I mean, the the permutations of that are unimaginable and super incredible. James, you experienced that a couple years ago uh, at won. Barcelona yeah. when you you were down four nothing or three nothing, and you I think it was goals. three nothing, and we had to get four away goals to win. You or were four down, goals at home. You were down four one. Yeah. Right. Four, yeah, that was a four one. You had to get and three. Four and you scored four. I thought you won four nothing to win it. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Messi then, uh, shut him down. Unbelievable. And then in the the secondary tournament, the Europa League. Uh, so the, you, NIT, the NIT of Europe. Yeah. Yeah, but like like they're the the third richest team in the world is part of it still. So I mean they're they're uh, a team that was in the the final four two years ago of the of the champions league is in it. So, I mean, there are still some cool teams. So the draw has some terrible teams, especially since Spurs crapped the bed to Dina and Mo Zagreb on one side of the bracket, you have man United, you know, one of the biggest sports franchises in the world. They're playing Grenada. Granada. Granada from, from Spain. (laughs) That's not a big task on their Mm -hmm. side of the bracket though. You do have Ajax, who is the premier team from the Netherlands. Um, and you have Roma, one of the historical teams from Italy. So that side of the bracket is a little tougher, but with a good team from Italy, uh, Ajax, who's probably the third best team left, um, who made it to the final four. Remember Spurs uh, beat them in extra time to go play Liverpool in the final. So, I mean, they're a great, great franchise. On the yeah, other and side, that, was a, that was a loaded Ajax team, too. Yeah. Like, just unbelievably loaded. Um, on the other side, you have Arsenal versus Slavia Praha. I believe it's Slavia Prague in, in uh, Austria. And then uh, you have Dinamo Zagreb, who beat Spurs, versus Villarreal from Spain. Um, that's on the other side of the bracket. It's going to be a nightmare when uh, Arsenal win and Villarreal win. And in the semifinals, it is good evening, Unai Emery, coming back to haunt Arsenal and knock them out. Because we all know that's happening. 100%. Can't wait. <laughs> as Unai Emery, who was who was chased out, him and his vampire self were chased out of town, uh, you know, with pitchforks, and he will come back 
to uh, to destroy the arsenal because that's how sports work. Sounds great. Uh, I I actually think Arsenal has a like a really good chance to win Europa League. Oh, it's going to be United versus Arsenal. And and by the way, I, I, if you don't think that the Europa League didn't set it up so that they were on opposite sides of the bracket, a thousand percent, they for sure. Did. <laughs> They were like Arsenal City, yeah, we'll put those on opposite sides. Like they have to be our final or no one will watch. Arsenal United. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I also partly like conspiracy theorist in me, like Tinfoil Hat Barter, thinks that two matches of City versus Bayern is more lucrative to UEFA than just one final in oh. the year of our in the year of our COVID. I think if there were if there had been people there, it might be a different story. But when they're just strictly looking at TV ratings, having two matches of Byron City uh, is much more. Uh, there's a lot more money to be had there. But anyway, um, so let's give a quick shout out to Paramount Plus for their absolutely fantastic. Listen, I hate CBS as much as the next person. But Paramount Plus's coverage of the Champions League and Europa League has been top-notch. I mean, top-notch. The app has worked perfectly on every machine that I've used it on. The feed has never gone dry or uh, been lagging or anything like that. I've never had to, like, reset or uh, refresh the browser. Uh, I'm uh, Hang it or bang it, I'm banging uh, Paramount Plus as for its coverage of uh, Champions League and Europa League, both and done plus, very well. When you first turn on the app and you get that beautiful blue color with the white Paramount logo with the stars come in, that's fucking. That's a nice little intro. It's, I'm like, it's oh, kind of dope. Here. Yeah, it's kind of dope. Yeah, especially when it like remembers your uh, browsing history and it's like, do you want to watch UEFA Champions League? Yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do want to watch now. Thank you. All right, let's be serious. The two teams that they are or the, the two matchups that they want the most. They want Real Madrid versus City, and they want Arsenal versus United. Okay, let's hope they don't get that. I, I think they would be happy with Real Madrid versus Bayern too. For sure. Bayern and City are very close to each other. Yeah. But Madrid is the most popular team in the world. They want them. They want them against either City or Bayern, and they want... Arsenal and United. That's the only matchups that they're working for. So watch for some sketchy ass officiating <laughs> down to the end of this thing because they need to make some money in a year of COVID. Mm. <laughs> all right, guys, that's it. That's all the time we have on the Nordies podcast this week. Thank you guys for listening. Go back, check out our last episode. We break down the Snyder cut of uh, Justice League. We break down Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode one. We tell you all the shows you need to be watching, all kinds of news, all kinds of fun things. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this sports cast as well. And we didn't talk wild this week after raving about the wild because they proceeded to get beat like 11 to nothing in the two games this week. So we'll talk wild when they deserve it and they actually show up to play again. Uh, so until next week, thank you guys for listening to the Nordies Podcast.